Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me today is Michelle Penaranda, Vice President at Preferred Office Network. She's here to talk with us about bridging the gap where traditional real estate and flexible workspace meet. Thanks very much, Michelle, for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Now, before we jump into this, please introduce yourself a little further, if you would. Well, I've been in co-working, the Flexspace industry, for the past 12 years. I was actually on the co-working operator side with our sister company, Car Workplaces, for most of that time before jumping over to head up the strategic growth and management of Preferred Office Network for really, I guess, the last four years now. And I also currently sit on the board for the Global Workspace Association. Okay, fantastic. Now, if you would, tell us a little bit about Preferred Office Network and where your company fits into the overall commercial real estate industry, that overall ecosystem. Preferred was founded in 2010. It was actually started by three co-working operators who really all shared a vision to provide a national network of flexible workspaces for enterprise clients with multiple market needs. So when you're thinking about commercial real estate, it's the flexible side of it and solving that need for enterprise clients. And it was important to provide not only the flexibility to enterprise companies, but overall goal was simplicity. So by creating this network of operators, Preferred is able to offer clients one master service agreement and a level of account management that delivers a pretty efficient approach in handling their space requirements from the search phase down to the invoicing. The reality was, and I would say arguably still is, unless one operator can solve for all of your locations. And even then, it may not be centralized. You are having to work with many different operators to fulfill your flex real estate portfolio. And that really means it's going to require that many different agreements and the legal review that goes along with that. And then that many different points of contact as well as invoices. But So by stripping all that away, companies are now able to add or drop offices globally in a pretty fluid and streamlined fashion through us. Okay. Now, my next question, how are your clients currently utilizing real estate for their businesses and how has this changed over the last two or three years? Surely COVID-19 and the impact on office strategy has had some impact, but tell us about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we saw a little change with some companies in 2018, 2019 that were being probably on the progressive side thinking about this and the real estate footprint, but COVID-19 changed um a big or, you know, maybe even just sped it up to what companies eventually were going to land to. And it's it's really become a mixed bag. I mean, some of our clients have changed or currently are changing their entire real estate footprint, you know, into something flexible. So we're seeing larger space needs because of this change. You know, perhaps they once had 15,000 square feet of office space in a given market, and they no longer need that as they shift to a different approach and how their employees utilize the space. And of course, with many still figuring that out. So either way, you know, chances are you aren't dropping 15,000 square feet and only going into three offices. You're typically reducing that space, but looking more at a larger suite or multiple suites. And ideally, our clients are wanting to have these, these larger requirements supported by a flex space provider the way that their smaller requirements have been handled over the years. I mean, we really essentially had just a handful of clients come to us and say, okay, you handle our one-off needs or smaller team requirements, but how do we get that exact same treatment just on a larger scale? Now we also see the request of the employees wanting to work closer to home. 
I know we hear a lot about that too. So companies are asking themselves, what is the main hub of the future look like? And perhaps it's smaller. And then with Within that, a handful of single offices sprinkled throughout, providing those other options, you know, while still providing a central spot for team members to gather, just not every day. So we're definitely getting the single office requirements, not only because it's a new market they're expanding in, but because they want to offer that space for their employees to be closer to home. So really prior, I would say, you know, it was more about a one office need because they're expanding into a new market, or it was a satellite center for a team of, I don't know, 50 where it was more about the ease of placing them in a co-working center than all the logistics of going into more traditional space for smaller teams. And although we, we do still see these requirements today, it has been a notable shift. Okay, sounds good. Now, my question is about the primary differences and advantages and disadvantages between traditional real estate and flexible workspace. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, the differences really come down to the term lengths, the contracts. Utilization, I think, is a big key player now more than ever. And the element of how space is delivered in a fully service kind of thought process. And I don't mean just furnished with Wi-Fi. Traditionally speaking, commercial real estate offered private standalone space, longer terms, more complex lease agreements, and private amenities. So, you know, the boardroom, the kitchen, that was yours versus shared. And there's also really not one designated... Um, person outside of your company to support your space, like restocking a kitchen, for example. Flexible space, on the other hand, offers short terms, usually with a 30, 60 day notice period and provides a more community-like environment with the shared amenities. And it does have usually that additional element of support. So personally, saying all this out loud, I, I mean, I really hear all the upside flexible workspaces bring to the table, but it doesn't mean someone could hear this and think about the disadvantage of co-working space if they needed something extremely private and amenities that aren't shared. So it, it really comes down to, I think, a company's needs. But I would say in today's shifting work model on where the employees work, there's a big element to how they work. Also meaning how is the space servicing them and how is it utilized? It's not just about, are they in the office or not? But when they are in the office, is the space built out to allow for more collaboration or whatever ways suit the company and their, and their employees' needs? You know, maybe some employees need private spaces on certain days and others, you need larger open spaces, or perhaps it's different even among the different departments. So how do you solve for all needs? I just believe flexible workspaces can play an important role in that. And that's not to say you can't build out a traditional space to solve for this as well, but chances are, again, you're going back and being locked into whatever that looks like for at least a few years. Indeed, flexibility is the name of the game for a lot of the big corporates, uh, isn't it? So uh, certainly, certainly makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of attracting those big corporates, here's my next question. What can landlords do? What can operators and other space providers do to better attract those enterprise companies? You know, partner partner together. I think the both both of them have a lot to bring to the table, but together it's such a dynamic duo. You know, recently I said, you know, that I feel the operator has always been the tenant of the building, but if we move away from the shift that they're no longer a tenant of the building and they're the heart of the building, I think having that kind of mindset moving forward really can create a relationship between the two that will be very attractive to enterprise companies. And what I mean by all this is, you know, landlords have the space. 
and the operators know how to service it and provide a model that allows for more flexibility, especially if we're talking about that's the name of the game. In addition, they help with utilization rates. You know, enterprise companies don't need to pay for a 20 person boardroom to be in their designated space when they use it 10 times a year. They also don't need to pay for space for 40 employees when the average number coming in in a given day is half that, and they're not going to change that structure. So, you know, now depending on the space requirement, companies may be limited with options if they look directly to what's available with an operator. And it's hard to go tell operators, hey, build out your space on the assumption larger enterprise companies will move in because you may be holding vacant space for a while. That's why I feel like the more we can bridge that gap between these two worlds, it actually can be a win-win-win for all parties, the landlord, the operator, and the enterprise client. Exactly. Now, um, Michelle, given all that, what would you recommend for an enterprise client that's uncertain about which model would work best for them? Education is important. I think in my experience, not many enterprise companies even know the possibilities. So learning what's even out there is is the start. And, you know, perhaps their culture, even the work style may not have been open to it in the past. So it's not even about awareness. It's just been, what have they been open to? So one of the things we always try to figure out with our clients as they have internal discussion as well is, you know, do they want either a hospitality driven workspace, you know, that's fully supported by a company where that is their focus, or do they want maybe even need an element of flexibility? I think it's important to highlight the co-working flex space model and, and the word that we keep saying over and over again, the key term in it is it's flexible. You aren't locked in. It doesn't mean that it's right, you know, but it does mean as a company, you have more flexibility as you're trying to navigate this shift and how and where your team members are working. Okay. Now, another topic, another question, RTO, return to office. That's been a huge topic in uh, corporate real estate and commercial real estate over the last couple of years or, or even longer now. So I'd like to get your thoughts. You're in the middle of all this. What would you say are some of the primary drivers that will be effective, that will have an impact as companies look to encourage more employees to come back to the office? Well, and surprise, surprise, uh, my number one word would be flexibility. <laughs> you know, how many times have I thrown that word around? But it's just as important, I think, for companies to have flexibility with their needs. I think it's also offering flexibility to their employees, which is just as important. And not one size fits all. So what works for one company certainly may not work for the next. Um, and even within a company. So understanding the company culture and breaking it down to the department level on preference. And I think the effectiveness of collaboration can play apart and being more effective though. And if you ask my coworker, she would say free lunch, but she works from home. So the idea of coming in for a free meal every now and then is enticing. Sure. However, I bet if she was being asked to come in way more, I'm not sure how appealing that free lunch would be, you know, over that commute. It's truly the flexibility that she has today on where and how she works that then allows her to think of the fun added bonuses, if you will. They're just not the drivers. Exactly. That's a great way to describe it. It makes, makes perfect sense to me. And now, Michelle, my last question. You guys uh, recently announced a new offering. It's called Preferred Suites. So if you would tell us more about this and how does it solve for some of the challenges present in today's market that you've described already? 
you know, I think it goes back to the question on what can landlords and flex space providers do to attract more enterprise businesses that led us here. You know, we created this new offering to help bring the two parties together and solve for more enterprise requirements, at least the ones on the larger scale, while offering up all the amenities that exist in a co-working center in the shorter terms. We really wanted to go back to our clients that were asking us that question. Hey, how do I get the, you know, the exact same thing that the co-working locations are providing us today with our smaller teams, but for these larger requirements? And time and time again, we were limited with what was available. You know, sure, some co-working companies are built out to take on these larger teams. And we've been happy to be, be able to fulfill those needs, but we wanted to remove the if as much as possible. If our partners offer larger suites and if it would be available. And so because we know the building, the operator is in, most likely would have the space, why not help facilitate essentially an extension of the co-working center? So that's really what it comes down to. It's taking that available space in the building. The client gets a larger standalone space, but can access the co-working center fully as if they were on the same floor. So all the same amenities, element of support and more flexible terms. And it gets to be on the same simple two-page service agreement that our clients know. Um, and, and that's really it. That's that's it. That's the preferred suite. Okay. Well, nice way to close out our conversation this afternoon. Michelle, it's been great talking with you and getting your perspectives. And I'd like to thank you again very much uh, for sharing these, these helpful insights with Cornet Global. Hey, Tim. Great talking with you as well. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.